Well, the message today is called Older Than Jesus. And uh, what is older than Jesus? It, it almost sounds like heresy because Jesus is eternal. He's uncreated. Nothing is older than Jesus in his divinity. But his earthly life didn't last very long. About 33 years. And think of all he did. Like, he did so much in such a short amount of time. We still talk about his teachings and think about his healings. And he impacted the world all these years later. In fact, he did so much, he said in a prayer in John 17, he said, I've accomplished everything the Father gave me to do. So he did that all in 33 years. And the reason that that detail is so meaningful to me is that in October, I turned 34. So I'm thinking about my life and realizing that for the first time, I can say of earthly life, I'm older than Jesus. And you might be a little disturbed right now about a 34-year-old talking about being old. Maybe you're thinking, I can't hear anything you say because 34 is not old. And my point is not to complain about being old. My point is to highlight that every single one of us have very short time. And it may be God's will to use a very short time to do a whole lot of good, but even for Jesus, he didn't have a long life. So I might not have much more time. And I want to use whatever time I have for the glory of God. The text we're looking at today is in James 4. And in James 4, verse 14, it says this. It is not an encouraging text. It says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. You like that verse? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes. So as we reflect on the, this verse today, I want to ask the question, how do we make the most of the little time we have? How do we make the most of the little time we have? Let's pray. Father in heaven, you've given us a gift of life. It's not guaranteed. It's fragile and it's passing away. I pray that the reflection on this verse today would grip our hearts to pursue meaning with the time we have. Pray that nobody in this room would live a wasted life, would give their best efforts to things that don't matter. I pray that our hearts would be tuned to you in every day, whether it's many or few. Pray that we'd use them for the things that really count. Get our attention today, I pray. Stir our hearts and don't let us leave this place changed and content with a lesser standard of living. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be talking about how to make the most of the little time we have. And the biblical answer for this is super clear and super simple. And this is 90% of what I want to say today, okay? So let's get this point. I'm going to repeat this point in different ways. But how do we make the most of the little time we have? We spend it on things that last forever. Does that make sense? 
There are things that don't last forever, and I can give my best energies to those. But I make the most of the little time I have by spending it on things that last forever. The things that matter most are things that last forever. And what lasts forever? So I'll give you three general categories, which include a lot of things. Um, actually, I'll give you that in a minute. What, this is so clear in Jesus' teaching. I just picked three things. All of these are things Jesus said. So this is Matthew, and you know these words. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy. I'm going to turn around. And where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. So what's the point of what he's saying? He's saying don't accumulate things that just pass away. Spend yourself on things that last. Jesus also said, do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. Give yourself to the things that last. He also said or asked, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So these are all things Jesus was saying, and all of them are saying, if you want to live a life that matters, make the most of the little you have, spend it on things that last forever. And now we'll ask the question, what does last forever? So I'm going to give three general categories. One is God. The Bible says God alone has immortality. So the things of God, like the word of God will last forever. The will of God endures forever. So God lasts forever. So if I want to make the most of the little I have, spend it for the things of God. That makes some pretty good sense, right? So there's another thing that lasts forever, and that is those who love God, because God gives a gift of immortality. He gives the gift of immortality. So those who love God are going to last forever. So if I want to make the most of the little I have, I should spend it for God or for those people that will live forever, like working on my own character because my character will go with me. So spending it, de developing a godly character, relationships will go with me because those who love God live forever. So if you're spending your time developing relationships, that lasts forever. And there's a third category that's not as clear, but it's important to me. And it's important to this message. So the third category would be, one is God, one is those who love God, and a third category would be anything that I could leverage for those first two categories. Money doesn't last forever, but I could work to make money to fund a life that is passionate about God. So I can use my money in a way that lasts forever. Food doesn't last forever, but I can prepare food and share food in a way that I'm grateful and praising God for it, who does last forever. So I could either live my life for something directly related to God, or for people who will last forever, or anything else he gives me that I can leverage for a greater purpose that does last forever. So those are the, way, the things that last forever, and I want to call us today to live for those and nothing else. And if we find something that we're living for that's out of line, to realign our values so that it is a servant of a greater passion that will last forever. Because if it doesn't last forever, 
It's wasting the little time I have. So I'm going to go through James chapter 4, verse 13 through 16, and I'm just going to make the point of spending ourselves on what lasts forever with three very odd instructions. So the first is shut the door. The second is be thankful for hair. And the third is run with scissors. So all of these, I want to make the point that we need to spend our life on the things that last forever or is a waste. And the first is to shut the door. Well, I have, I have, there's something I struggle with in life, and I'm going to confess it to you. And it's either a responsible characteristic or a mental disorder. And I'm not sure which one it's more of. So I'll describe it and you can decide. But my struggle is that it is painful for me to waste things. So if I hear the water faucet running, I actually feel anxiety in my body if it's not being used, like in that moment, because it's wasting water. Or I walk around my house and I have like, I could have a full-time job of turning off lights. I don't know how it happens, but I'll walk into a room, I'll turn off the light, I'll walk out, I'll walk back, and I'll turn off the same light. It's like, uh, it's, it's like against me. Everything is, is trying to waste electricity, and I'm trying to shut it all down. And when I go to the store, I shop for price per ounce. I don't really care about the brand or the label. I'm looking at what can I get the most for the little amount of cost. And sometimes they try to trick you and they do price per pound. And I make the conversion because I want to know what is the best cost for value. When I'm driving in a, you know, through Wasilla, because Wasilla's traffic drives me crazy right now. And so driving through Wasilla, if there's two lines of traffic and I make a decision for this lane, and then it slows down, and I watch the car, three cars behind me, go through the intersection while I'm stuck at the red light. That's tough for me to handle. Because I know I'm going to waste about two minutes of my life at a stoplight when I could have made a better decision. So I, I've had this struggle a long time. And as long as I can remember, when I was a little kid, I have a vivid memory of spilling my 7-Up on the floor at Taco Bell. And it was an, an older style floor. You might remember there was like was a cement floor and they had a fake brick pattern and there'd be two bricks this way and two bricks this way. And I remember it so distinctly because I saw the puddle of 7-Up right there and it was like following down the little mortar lines between the bricks. And I knew I had unlimited refills, free refills. But I felt the pain so deeply of wasting a good drink that by the time my parents made it back with paper towels, they found me on my hands and knees slurping up my drink off the Taco Bell floor. So is it a responsible trait or a disorder? I don't know. But you, you probably know how I feel when the front door is left open in sub-zero temperatures. Can you guess how I feel? So there is an appropriate amount of time for someone to open the door, to slip through it, and close it. And anything beyond that appropriate amount of time is a frivolous waste of expensive indoor heat. And 
I figure that that time is about 3.5 seconds. And there will be some people who open the door and then put their shoes on. Or they open the door and put something in the car and leave the door open and then come back. And some people will come and stand in my door frame with the door open and visit with me for a few minutes before they leave. And I can't hear what they're saying because I see, actually you can see when it's cold enough, you can see the cold air coming into your house and I can't hear anything they're saying. And I may have a disorder, but... I think I also have a good point. <laughs> and I think it applies to the way we spend our lives. I think that if there are gaping holes of waste in our life, we need to shut the door. My kids hear that on almost any cold day. Shut the door. Because I don't like wasting things. And there are things in our life that are pure loss that we're doing. Like, they're just draining the precious few years and minutes in life we have. So I'm going to ask you with this image of shutting the door, what is it that you need to stop in order to make the most of the little you have? What is it? There's something you need to stop in order to make the most of the little you have. You need to shut the door on some things. So verse 13 this is James 4, verse 13 says, Come now, you... I can't read my thing, so... Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. So look at this statement. Think critically. What's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with planning ahead? No. Is there anything wrong with strategically relocating to another town? Nope. Is there anything wrong with making a profit? Nope. In fact, these are probably best practices for responsible living. These are good things to be willing to do any of those things. So if I say, I'm going to go to this place and make a profit, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, look at verse 14 to try to see what's wrong with verse 13. So right after it says this, it says... Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. So what's wrong with verse 13 is we don't know and we don't last. There's nothing wrong with going to a town and making a profit. The thing that's wrong with it is that none of that lasts. So you can do it, but don't make it the point of life it'll vanish. So that town you go to and the profit you make there will one day be gone. So if that is my point, it's a waste. Now notice it's a good thing. It does not say, come now, let us go to this town and steal from people so we can make a reasonable living without contributing anything good to society. If it said that, we'd automatically say, now we need to shut the door on that. That's something we need to cut out of our life. That's not a good thing. But it says good stuff. It's just good stuff that doesn't last forever. So we need to shut the door on some things that are pretty good if they're not actually leveraged for a greater good that will last forever. So the American dream is a lie. I appreciate the children's story. That was a good children's story. Joel actually got had to check with me because we had 
baptisms two weeks in a row, and he didn't want to get wet. But I want to highlight the message of that story. There was a lie that was packaged in an attractive way. The American dream, you might define it in different ways. The first part is awesome, and I fully support it. It's this dream that anyone from any place could come to a land and have equal opportunity to work hard and make a good living. Don't you love that dream? I think that is a beautiful dream. The, the way that the American dream goes wrong is the same way that verse 13 went wrong. Remember, let's go to this town and make a profit. It kind of sounds like that. Let's go to this land. The way that the American dream is wrong is when we make the things we gain the point of life. So the American dream is great, but if I believe that upward mobility and equal opportunity and a nice house and a nice car and good vacation and early retirement and a few toys, if I think that those things define the successful life, then I've been robbed by a lie. And there are multi-billion dollar companies trying to sell you this lie. Like everything you see pop up on your phone, every advertisement you hear on the radio is somebody trying to sell you the lie that things make life meaningful and they don't. Because a nice house is great, a nice car is great, but none of it lasts forever. So when life is about things, life is wasted. Jesus was telling a, a parable of a rich man. Uh, uh, he said he was foolish. He built more barns because he had all this stuff. And in the point of the parable is that life is not about the abundance of possessions. Stuff doesn't last forever. So there's nothing wrong with stuff. I just need to leverage stuff for a greater cause that does last forever or I'm wasting the little time I have. So we need to shut the door. We need to shut the door on bad things. If there is something in your life that is a gaping open door of waste, like there's nothing good you can find in it, it's destroying your body, it's perverting your mind, it's tearing apart your relationships, then I invite you to slam the door closed on that. If there's something in your life, by the grace of God, during this service, bring that to God and say, we're done with that. That is a complete waste of the little I have, but it gets a lot trickier when we need to shut the door on good things. So there are good things that don't last forever. I love my mountain bike. I'm grateful for my house. There's so many good things that don't last forever, and either I do, I do one of two things with those. I either find a way to flip around my values so that those help me live for things that do last forever. They, they serve a greater purpose of glorifying God, or I need to shut the door on some good things. So what bad things do you need to shut the door on? That's the easy part. What good things are out of whack in your priorities that you need to shut the door on because it's just wasting the little time you have? So I heard this concept lately uh, from, from a podcast I'm listening to that our lives are shaped by what we create and by what we tolerate. I often think it's about what I create. These are the things I do. This is how I spend my life. This is what I put on my to-do list. This is what I'm creating and I'm shaping my life. And I like those things. But then there's things I tolerate that take my time. 
And their, their habits of mine or their, um, you know, things I haven't quite matured to, to get rid of. And they're just things I tolerate and they're sucking life out of me. And I like the things I create. I think I'm doing a pretty good job of being proactive. But then there's some things I tolerate. I need to shut the door on them because they're imposing on my life and I'm giving it to them. I'm giving them my time and I'm giving them my energy. I need to shut the door because I'm wasting those things. So the question to apply this concept of shutting the door would be, what do you need to stop in order to make the most of the little you have? I'd love for you to think seriously about that. What do you need to stop in order to make the most of the little you have? And then another way to illustrate this is, be thankful for your hair. So it's the day before Thanksgiving, and I was driving in the car, Tried to think of something to stop my kids from arguing in the car. So I ask, what are you thankful for, girls? And without delay, my oldest daughter says, Dad, I'm thankful for your hair. And I was curious, and she said, well, I'm trying to appreciate the things that don't last, and your hair's not going to last much longer. <laughs> and she made a good point. There are some things in my life that I still have, that I won't have for long, and I need to be thankful for them. So I need to shut the door on some things. I need to stop some things, but I also need to treasure some things to make the most of the little I have. What do you need to treasure to make the most of the little you have? So we need to face this reality, and I want to do it cautiously because we could use the fear of death as a motivator. And our God is so beautiful. I want you to get this. Our God is so beautiful. He's so attractive. We never need to use fear as a motivation to follow him. At the same time, the reality of the shortness of time should do something in me. Right? It should do something in my heart. And that's what Jesus was after when he, he told the story of the tower that fell on 18 people. And his point was not, oh man, I'm so sorry for those 18 people. I'm sure he was. But the point of that story in Scripture was, you will be just like them unless you repent. What was Jesus trying to do? He was not trying to scare people. He was trying to get people to realize you have a short amount of time. Right now you have things you won't have later. So treasure those, make the most of those, and value those. And... The fact that they vanish is not the tragedy. The verse says, you're missed, and that mist is going to vanish. That is not a tragedy. It is not a tragedy that things don't last. What's a tragedy is when God gave us a good thing, and we squandered it, and then it vanishes. That's the tragedy. So what can last forever? What can have lasting meaning? Well, I think if we leverage it for something that lasts, anything can. Which means I can be thankful for the good and the bad. So what I want us to do is to not waste any piece of it. Don't waste your youth. And don't waste your old age. And don't waste your joy. And don't waste your sorrow. Don't waste your career. Don't waste your retirement. 
Don't waste your years of parenting. Don't waste your years of childlessness. Don't waste your marriage. Don't waste your singleness. Whatever it is that God has given you, use it because anything that is used for the glory of God can have lasting meaning. And I want to invite some people up, Leonard and Johnny. What can have lasting meaning? And when can it have it? So what is the difference between the elderly and the newborn? I want to thank Leonard for being willing to represent elderly. Thank you, Leonard. And for Johnny for being willing to represent, I don't know if he was willing, for Johnny's mom to be willing to represent young life. So what is the difference? Actually, no, I want to know what the, same, the, the thing they have in common. What is the thing that the elderly and the newborn have in common? And maybe there's about 50 things. Here's what I want to highlight that they have in common. They both have life in this moment. And they both have the opportunity to use this moment for the glory of God. That's what they have in common. So, in a very sad way of looking at it, if Jesus doesn't come before it, Johnny's going to die soon. And likely, Leonard's going to die sooner. That's the way it is if Jesus doesn't come back. But you know what? They're alive right now, and they can glorify God with that moment they have. It doesn't matter how long it is or how short it is. Leonard, I had, I had a conversation with Leonard about six weeks ago about this very thing, about living today for Jesus. I don't know how many more God has for us, but you can live every single day for the glory of God, and that's what matters for eternity. Not that you have 50 more or that you have one more, it's that you have a moment, and when is the right time to use it for the glory of God? Right now. You're not going to have this moment tomorrow. Right now is the time to use this moment for the glory of God. So I want to thank you for coming up, and I want to pray for Leonard and Johnny representing the whole span of age. I'm not done with my sermon, I'm just praying in the middle of it. But let's pray. For us, no matter how long we have, to use it for the glory of God. Lord, I thank you for my friend Leonard and for this new life in Johnny. And they just represent to us kind of both ends of the spectrum we have in this church. I pray for those who are in their final stages of life that they use every breath they have in a way that lasts for eternity. Thank you for Leonard and his strength and his encouragement. I pray that every day he has would highlight a God who lasts forever. And I pray for Johnny and the future he has. And I pray that every day you give him would be leveraged for eternity. And for every other young one right now in this room, I pray that the years they have would not be wasted, but they'd be used right now in this moment that you've given them for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming up. Leonard always gives me a hug, and I appreciate it. So when can it be used? Well, right now. So I got thinking about my hair, and uh, right now is the time I should be thankful for my hair, because right now is when I have it. And you know what I can do when it's gone? I decided this week, I'm going to thank God for my skin, because that's what I will have. And it's, it's in that moment that I can thank God while I have before it's gone because while right now is the time to leverage it for the kingdom.
Right now is the time to take that thing and use it in a way that lasts forever because I can't look back and say, when I had this thing before, I wish I would have used it this way. So what is God giving you right now? Something good in your life that soon is not going to be in your life. Think about that. What do you have right now that soon you're not going to have, and right now is the time to choose to use that thing in a way that matters? Uh, change the question. There's something bad in your life that won't be in your life soon. How could you use that bad thing, endure that bad thing, and glorify God in that bad thing in a way that will last forever? Because soon it won't be there, and you won't have the chance to give God the praise for that hard thing through that hard thing. So what can you do now to thank God for what you have? So the question on this point is, what do you need to treasure in order to make the most of the little you have? And one more illustration is to run with scissors. You've probably been told to not run with scissors. Why do we say that? Well, you run with scissors, you risk that you're going to cut something you don't want to cut. And there is, there's a risk, so we say just don't run with scissors. But there are times when it's appropriate to run with scissors. I'll give a ridiculous example, and then you'll be able to think of some of your own. But imagine you have a cat, a playful cat, and the cat has a big mess of string, and it's chasing it all around the house, and then it chases it out the front door, which someone forgot to shut, and then it hops up on the fence, and the string gets tangled in the fence, and then it hops up on the roof of the porch, and then it hops off. But the struggle, the problem is, that string that got tangled in the fence got tangled in the cat, and the cat is stuck hanging there. And you're watching from a distance, and you realize that soon it's going to work its way up and strangle this cat, and you've got scissors in your hand. And you're 50 feet away. Is it appropriate to run with scissors? Yes. Because there's, a, there's something to do that's worth taking the risk. And we do this, we run with scissors when the probability of reward outweighs the possibility of risk. So if there's something worth taking the risk, I'm going to run with scissors. And here's the verse in verse 15. It says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this. So I want you to notice, it just said, now, come now, you who say this. We're going to go here and do this. You don't know how long you're going to last. Your life is a mist and it vanishes. And then it says the word instead. So that word instead is off offering an alternative, right? So there's a way to live where we invest ourselves in things that don't last. Instead, here's the alternative. If the Lord wills, See, the alternative way to live is to live a life in the will of God. You might go to that city. You might make a profit. That's not the point that matters. The point that matters is that my life was lived out in the will of God. See, I have a short amount of time, and there's an expert who knows everything who's willing to make sure that I make the best use of the short time I have. God has a will that is so much more informed than mine. So the way to not waste your life is to trust God to lead your life, to live in the will of God. How did Jesus do this? So Jesus lived a life. You want to skip to the next slide? 
I lost it. There we go. There, right there. How did Jesus make the most of the short time he had? There's actually this verse that Jesus says that he did nothing on his own. He only did what he heard his father say to him. So Jesus maximized the 33 years he had by fully depending on the father. Think about it. He actually had a deficit of stuff. It says the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He was homeless. He had very few possessions. It says in uh, Isaiah 53 that he actually didn't even have physical attractiveness. There's nothing in him to attract us to him. So Christ came intentionally with a deficit of the stuff that doesn't last forever. And he lived that way, fully depending on the will of the Father, and he maximized the short time he had. So how do I make the most of it? Well, there's someone who knows how I live, and I want to follow him. So running with scissors should mean that's all we're doing. Like, if I'm running with scissors, it's not a good time to take my phone out and text. Running with scissors is a, a short-term response to something urgent where I focus everything on that thing. And that's how the Christian life is. We have a short amount of time, and we've been called to take some risks. We've been called to run with scissors and to focus on one supreme thing and cut out the other things. Paul was the master of this when he would make these focus statements in Scripture. These statements that said, I have a single focus I'm living for, like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to live, if I have another day, it's all about Christ. And if I die, I'm not worried about it. I'm gaining the kingdom. And he said things like, I count it all loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. So Paul had this concept of there's these other things, but I'm doing one thing because it lasts forever. And running with scissors is like that. I'm focused on this thing. And James had that focus. James had a sense of urgency. So we're in James chapter 4. If you look back to the rest of the verses in James chapter 4, it is a warning against worldliness, because worldly things don't last forever. And if you look forward to James chapter 5, it's a warning against, it's a warning to the rich. I want to read a few of those words. I want you to hear the urgency in these words, like running with scissors language. Do this thing even if it hurts. So when he gives the warning against worldliness, this is James chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. That actually kind of sounds risky. Like, throw your whole self into desperate longing for this thing. It doesn't sound comfortable, but there's a reward that outweighs the risk. Living in the will of God is a reward that far outweighs the risk of whatever you sacrifice to get there. So he's saying, if you're not there, if you're living for worldly things that pass, your heart should be, I need to cleanse my hands. I need to be wretched and mourn and weep. 
Even though I don't want to do that, that's the posture of someone who realizes I'm living for things that are wasted. And then in chapter 5, he's talking to the rich about things that don't last. He says, come now, you rich, weep and howl. This is chapter 5, verse 1. For the miseries that are coming upon you, your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidenced against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. And it continues on. The posture is desperation because the clock is ticking. And if I'm not living right now, in this moment, in a way that lasts forever, I should start to feel urgency. Like, no, I don't have another day to waste. Today, right now, is the time. So, how urgent do you feel? So, living a life that, that lasts forever, making the most of the little you have, does that mean enough to you to give up a day? Or a meal? Or a comfort? Or letting someone down? Like, is it, is it a big enough deal? If you feel conviction in your heart that things aren't quite right in the way you live, is it a big enough deal to you that you would fast and pray for a day? Is it a big enough deal that you might stay up all night crying out to God if that's what it took? Is it a big enough deal that you could cancel some things on your calendar to seek God, however you do that, wherever you do that, and say, no, I'm not going to spend another week. I'm not going to enter the new year knowing that I'm compromising the little I have because it's just a little bit of time. So how worth it is it to you to search your heart in this way so that God could make the most of the little you have? Well, if you're struggling to think of ideas, of things that last forever, how to make the most of the little you have, let me give you a few ideas that have to do with the ministry of this church. Now, there are ways to live your life in a way that matters that have nothing to do with the church, but I give a lot of myself to this church because I believe that what I give to this church lasts forever. Because I believe in the ministries of this church. I believe that they're making an eternal difference. So I'll just try to paint that picture for you. If you're struggling to think of things that matter forever, then just envision the lives of 100 students who go at Amazing Grace Academy. They come from all kinds of homes and families. Every one of them is struggling with major life decisions. They're at this age where they're making major life decisions. Every one of them is going to face some huge temptations in this world to not follow God and love God, to make very destructive decisions. Like these are, this is, are important moments for these kids. And we have a school that every single day of the week points them to Jesus. And then you have an opportunity to volunteer and actually come and make a difference in a, in a project. It's not a money-making project. This is a sacrificial project to do something that matters for eternity in the lives of these kids. You can give money, and you do, and every cent you give to Amazing Grace Academy, it matters forever because we're pointing them to things that will not ever end. So we have other ministries like this. Like I come on Monday nights and I see kids all over this church for adventurers and pathfinders. I just heard Monday night, they need help. 
They need teachers. And I know we're busy, but if you choose to be one of those teachers, I guarantee you the hours you put in last forever because you're loving people who God is giving eternal life to, and that lasts forever. We have all kinds of things. You see them on the screen like Goats for Adra and Christmas programs and everything we're doing. We're doing it because we believe that this matters for eternity. So what you give to this church, well, we want it to last forever. I'll make an appeal to come to the business meeting tomorrow. Maybe there's something you could cancel and show up and invest in the life of this church. Not because this is the only way you can make a difference, but because I believe everything we're doing, we're doing it because we want it to last forever in the kingdom of God. We don't want to waste what we have. So maybe you're older than Jesus. Maybe you're younger than Jesus was on this earth. The appeal that I want to make to all of us is, Whatever time you have left, use it like Jesus did for things that matter forever. A couple questions as we close. What do I need to pursue in order to make the most of the little time you have? What is it that you need to passionately pursue, even maybe cancel something to seek the will of God and pursue something because you know you want your life to last what is it that you need to risk in order to make the most of the little you have? Maybe you've been living too safe and you need to risk something. Our church is making a whole bunch of changes and I'll tell you what, they're risky. It's risky to change things. We're doing it because we want to make the most of the little we have. We want to glorify God and let everything we're doing matter for the kingdom. You have some things in your life you could change. You could actually take some risks for the kingdom. What is it you need to risk to make the most of the little you have? And I want to, we're going to close with a song. And this song is pretty simple. I'll sing it once, and then you'll, you'll catch on. And you, so we'll sing it a second time. And it's just a prayer. And it's a prayer for a passion for God. So we're going to sing this song as a prayer that he would put urgency into our hearts and that we would feel that today is the day. <laughs> Today's the day we have to choose to be fully surrendered to God. And these words are just moving to me. I can't get this right here. I'll just go like this. Can use the orange mic. And if you guys in the back could just control my slides while I lead us in this song. And um, we're going to have the benediction after this. So I just invite you, would you stand with me to make this a prayer? There you go. Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. 
Give me one glorious ambition for my life To know and to follow hard after you To know and follow hard after you To grow as your disciple in your truth This world is empty, pale, and poor Compared to knowing you, my Lord, lead me on and I will run after you. Lead me on and I will run after you. Sing it with me. Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Make that your prayer. Give me one glorious ambition for my life To know and follow hard after you To know and follow hard after you To grow as your disciple and your truth this world is empty, pale, and poor Compared to knowing you, my Lord Lead me on, and I will run after you Lead me on, and I will run after you